What receiver on a new team is destined to become a fantasy stalwart in 2019? What AFC South running back could be in for a massive workload? And is Jared Cook going to be a sleeper tight end for the second straight year? Plus, Tyler Jackson, the reigning FFPC 750 Dynasty League number 30 champion, co-hosts with me tonight as we delve into his team management, the new normal in Cleveland, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Tyler Jackson is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. everybody. If you've got what it takes, cause I'm KRS and I'm on the mic and premieres on the break. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Salutations to all of the Balkaholics. Uh, excuse me. Maybe I'm a uh, Balkaholic tonight. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is normally the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Uh, but tonight, pinch hitting for him is an extra special guest. He's been playing fantasy football and losing money to his friends for the best part of two decades. In 2014, he decided to take up the stakes and join the FFPC where he lost even more money to strangers. The gambler's fallacy uh, told him that he was due, and in 2017, he upped the stakes again and joined a $750 Dynasty League. He is now the reigning champion of said $750 Dynasty League number 30 and a fantasy football expert in addition to his new role. As a fantasy football expert prognosticator, he is a film producer. His latest film, Dragged Across Concrete, starring Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn, is in theaters and streaming now. Please welcome onto the show my co-host for this evening's festivities. It is Tyler Jackson. Tyler, welcome, my man. Thank you very much. It's great to be here, and it's great to be here without Dave. You know, I thought he was bringing the show down for a while. It's just me and Eric now the way it was always meant to be. Yeah, the focus groups really did not grade Dave good. They, it, he got really, really bad reviews. So, so we've uh, we've upped the ante tonight with you, my friend. So it, it, it'll be fun. Uh, it'll be a fun show ahead of us as we uh, we delve into a lot of stuff tonight. Coming up, uh, we're going to talk about a sneaky sleeper at the slot receiver position, a new running back in Oakland, and much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. You can post any questions you might have in there. Follow the show on Twitter at HSFFR. I'm at Eric Balkman. The show is at Facebook.com slash HSFFR. And if you want to give us a call, talk to Tyler and I tonight, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. Football at gmail.com is where to reach us. Producer and mutual friend Robin, audio engineer Bryce, do not get the night off. They are working tirelessly. And if you have any questions for us, we're going to try to get them to the uh, try to get to them in the fantasy feedback segment 
uh, coming up later on in the show. A uh, reminder to everybody who is looking for some drafting action this weekend, you can find it at myffpc.com. Plenty of best ball, super flex, and double ups available there right now. And we have Dynasty Startups forming. You saw the FFPC E newsletter that went out today. You saw that we have uh, the next startups, I think, are going on April 6th, which is a week from tomorrow. So plenty of time to get in on that before they fill up. And uh, join a couple of maidens. There's some super flexes, some best ball dynasties out there. Whatever you want, uh, you can uh, find it at myffpc.com. Tyler, let's get into it tonight. Uh, we already know that you're in the film industry. Uh, you have a movie out with uh, with Vince Vaughn and, um, uh, excuse Mel me. Gibson. I, yes, yeah, Mel, man, Gibson. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson's in it. I, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn, I, I was trying to do something at the same time, and if there's one thing I've learned on this show is do not do two things at once because I'm clearly incapable of it. But dragged across concrete, Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing in the film industry and what that's like. Yeah, so I'm a film producer. Uh, it sounds like a really cool job, and it is uh, sometimes. And then for a lot of the other times, it's like, you know, uh, a lot of reading, some boring stuff. But uh, – Often it's like peppered with moments where you're like, I can't believe I'm sitting here on a movie set and watching Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn do their thing. Drag, Dragged Across Concrete is uh, the third film by a, a director named Craig Zoller, who previously did Bone Tomahawk and uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99, which I'm sure some listeners have seen. And uh, anyway, it's it's out now. It's about uh, Mel and Vince play two police officers who get suspended from the police force when their, you know, their antics are recorded on a cell phone and it kind of blows up and they get, they get suspended from the police force and uh, they turn to the dark side to make ends meet. And, uh, yeah, it's out now. You can buy it on iTunes right after this podcast. Yeah, the, uh, the perf- yes, wait till after the podcast uh, for sure. Um, and then uh, oh, Don Johnson's in this too. This is good stuff, very good stuff. Yeah, Look Don- at this cast. <laughs> so- Don Johnson, he's he's uh, cool. Uh, he makes a little cameo. We also have Jennifer Carpenter, who I love from uh, Dexter. So yeah. Oh yes, yeah, the sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's um, right. Lori Holden Dexter's too. Yeah, uh, from uh, she did it. She did all those Frank Darabont, uh, you know, Walking Dead and Mist and all that stuff. Um, wow, right. this is yeah. uh, this is good. I got all right. Now I may okay. I got it. Tune back in because otherwise I will go ahead and stream this before the show is over. So I'm going to put a pin in that, Tyler. Let's get back into FFPC here. You made a big trade in your – first of all, congratulations on your Dynasty win last year. Big applause to you for that. Uh, Let's talk about the big trade you made in late September of last year. It was for Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, this had a massive impact on you winning the league last year. Um, I look at this trade now, and maybe it was a little bit different back then, but you traded Ryan Fitzpatrick – your first, second, and third rounders this year in exchange for Mahomes. And, and if you remember, I believe that's when Fitzpatrick was running white hot uh, last year in place of Jameis Winston. So you deal him right at the right time, and then uh, your, your top three picks, I feel like if you had to do this over again, you do this 10 times out of 10, right? Yeah, of course. It sounds like a slam dunk now. I'm sure everyone listening is like, yeah, this is an obvious trade. And I maybe, I guess it it was even back then, but um, – you know, I drafted I drafted Mahomes in our in our startup draft in 2017, and just due to the the structure of FFPC, the short benches, I I couldn't keep him through 2017. And of course, right after I cut him, 
the uh, the Chiefs dealt Alex Smith and and you know the rest is history. And I'm, I was sitting there um, before the 2018 rookie draft trying to get Mahomes uh, from someone who smartly picked him up uh, right at the right you know right at week 17 or something like that. And uh, and I offered a second round rookie pick, and he actually the the owner of him actually flipped him for a higher second round rookie pick. So then I'm, I, I knew he was going to be great. I start watching the games. We get to like week two or week three. And I'm like, I, I can't uh, stomach the thought of not having Patrick Mahomes on my team for the next decade or two. So uh, <laughs> I just gave whatever new, I, I proposed the first, second and third round pick and Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was at that moment, the top quarterback, uh, I think top fantasy quarterback in that time, but obviously, you know, he's old and he's Ryan Fitzpatrick. So uh, I flipped that and uh, the trade partner pretty much just wanted a different third round pick because I had two and I hit it immediately. And yeah, the rest is history. I wouldn't trade uh, Patrick Mahomes probably for any player. And it's funny because I think in dynasty and FFPC, uh, quarterbacks in one QB leagues are slightly underrated, but if you get a, a difference maker like Mahomes on your team, you really see uh, dividends week to week uh, versus, you know, guys that are starting even pretty good fantasy quarterbacks uh, like a Patrick, or like a, a Philip Rivers or something like that. Yeah, no, and, and you make a great point. I mean, uh, you look at. Um... Uh, Patrick Mahomes and where he's going just even in redraft leagues right now uh, way 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 higher uh, than the next best uh, than the next best uh, quarterback uh, coming off the board so you you know every single week like you said you're going to have a uh, a massive advantage um, at the quarterback position given uh, the numbers he puts up so kudos to you on a on a great great deal Uh, it seems like as we move to the backfield or stay in the backfield I guess as it were uh, I bring this up every week and perhaps this is because this is me um, trying to pick fantasy players' brains for what I should do in one of my dynasty leagues where I own Todd Gurley. But he's got a reported arthritic knee. Um, I think it's going to be telling what the Rams do in, in the upcoming NFL draft, how high they draft a running back. I know they just matched um, the offer sheet for Malcolm Brown, so you know he'll be back in uh, the fold as, as, as you know, Gurley's backup or what have you. I don't know what the C.J. Anderson story is uh, for 2019, but uh, Gurley owning him. Have you been shopping him? Have you been listening to offers? Is he, you know, do you feel like he's going to be fine? How, how do you feel about Gurley heading into this year from a dynasty perspective? Yeah, it's the big question that every Gurley owner is asking themselves. Uh, I was perfectly fine staying pat. And then, you know, the arthritis uh, news just keeps piling up and piling up. And I made a, a panic offer for uh, Todd Gurley for Tyreek Hill straight up, obviously before the Tyreek Hill news came out and uh, it wasn't accepted. I was thinking about, you know, a stack with Mahomes and, and okay, you know, obviously the chiefs are taught making murmurs of giving him the biggest wide receiver contract ever again, before the, uh, the allegations. So, you know, I thought it was a, a, decent deal for both and the um the Tyreek Hill owner didn't go for it and I'm kind of glad obviously now I'm glad he didn't that that uh owner ended up shot, uh sending Tyreek Hill 
for T.Y. Hilton and two second rounders in 2019. So he's mm-hmm. obviously obviously got spooked and panicked, and I thought that was a crazy – I mean, I thought it was a good deal um, if Tyreek Hill goes to jail or something else happens with him, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, but back to Gurley, you know, I think that all we can do at this point is just stand pat. He's going to get some stem cells shot into his knee or some other kind of crazy stuff's happening. I, you know, I don't even know if Malcolm Brown's going to be the, the handcuff to own. I don't think anyone really knows right now. I think we just kind of have to hope that uh, the offseason does him well and that he's still in that uh, getting the workload that, you know, will put him in that RB1 solid RB1 territory for years to come. I don't think I would uh, – I, I think I would give Gurley up um, for Barkley and for uh, probably – oh, man, I think I'd probably do it with McCaffrey. Uh, I think No, I think I would with McCaffrey. I think it comes it, – it's interesting what you do when it comes to um, Elliott and David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell, and then, and then I think you're in the territory of Gurley and – uh, or excuse me, um, one of those players and something else mm. for Gurley. I think that's the territory that we're in right now, and and you know we'll see what happens. But I think I'm with you on this. I'm I'm gonna you know roll the dice and, and stand pat, and hopefully it's okay. And I th- and I think we will get our answer um, coming up uh, after the NFL draft at the end of April. I mean, if the if the Rams invest in a day three running back uh, or, or no running back at all, well, there's your answer, uh, and, yeah. and Gurley's probably gonna be fine. But if they do take somebody on day two, yikes, red flags are going off for me for sure. We'll see what happens. Um, a team that has been probably the most discussed uh, in fantasy circles and really in NFL circles this offseason so far has been the Cleveland Browns. And you own a couple of significant pieces from their offense on your championship team. Wide receiver Jarvis Landry and tight end David Njoku. Now, they bring in Odell Beckham. Uh, and, I, and I feel like you are not the first person I've asked. I think Tim Gilbertson, when he was on the on the show last week, he also owned Landry and Njoku in one of his dynasty leagues. And I asked him a similar question. How do you think Beckham's arrival affects the fantasy prospects going forward for both Landry and Njoku? I think that one of Njoku or Landry will benefit from uh, ODB being there. And I think it will hurt the other one. I don't think both will necessarily benefit, but I also don't know which one is going to get the pop. Uh, you know, Jarvis Landry <laughs> right. is a conundrum because he is, has just been undervalued by the dynasty community for years. Uh, even when he had his, you know, he was number four ranked uh, FFPC receiver in 2017. Uh, Last year, he was the one of the least efficient, if not the least efficient player in the league. He was number 19 in scoring, uh, even though he had 148 targets. So I think it probably helps him to, you know, go back to – he wasn't playing in the slot a lot with already, but not to try to force him to be that alpha dog, you know, wide receiver one on the team and have him play the slot complimentary role I think that probably does help him and free him up to do his Jarvis Landry things uh, volume volume receiver things um, and Joku is just like uh, a guy who's been dealing with a little bit of dropsies but has been progressing really well I mean he's still super young I think he's 22 years old something like that and you know from rookie season 110 FFP, FFPC points to last year, 171 points, 
um, with not that you know a, a slight increase in volume, but uh, I think he's just progressing, and I think we can expect a solid tight end one season for him. I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the top five this year in, in tight ends. You know, Dave uh, Gerzak, and I think you said it on this show, he views this, this Cleveland offense, I, I don't even, I don't think he put it at the same level of Kansas City, but as far as points and yardage, he thinks they're going to chew it up uh, like the Kansas City Mahomes team did. I mean, they, 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 there's just weapons everywhere. And you consider that they have the, uh, the big eaters in the trenches doing the great job for Nick Chubb. And, and when Kareem Hunt gets back there, not to mention Duke Johnson, too, you have all these pass catchers. We could see a ton of points in Cleveland. And dare I say, the Browns could be one of the most picked-over offenses when we get to Vegas in, in September with, with the FFPC main event drafts. So we could see a lot of these guys moving up the boards, you know, Chubb and, and, and Landry, and obviously Beckham's already up there, and Joku, I think you made a lot of strong points on there, too, that I happen to agree with. So Cleveland is going to be a team to watch, no question, as we move throughout draft season. Here with Tyler Jackson on the FFPC High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. I'm Eric Balkman, no Dave Gerzak tonight. Uh, Jackson was the, uh, Tyler Jackson was the uh, 750 number 30 uh, champion from last year, and we are talking about that title-winning team, including... Tyrell Williams, who was on your bench last year for the majority of the season, he's now the second banana in Oakland to Antonio Brown. Are we looking at an uptick in production, given the fact that all the attention that Antonio Brown is going to face from opposing DBs um, compared to what we saw from Williams with the Chargers the last few seasons? Tyler, your thoughts on, on Tyrell Williams for 2019? Everyone's down on this guy, you know. Uh, the landing spot wasn't what everyone was hoping for, I guess. And I, I hear that, but from going from one of the least efficient players in Jarvis Landry now to one of the most efficient players on a target basis, Tyrell Williams, only 64 targets last year. He's still turning in, you know, over 650 yards, 41 catches on 64 targets. Phillip Rivers never thrown into the ball. Uh, now he's in a you know, playing second banana, as he said, to the best receiver in, in the game. You, there's quarterback questions there, but uh, you've got to think that they're going to be throwing him the ball more than Phillip Rivers was because Oakland lost 100 targets with Jared Cook, 88 targets with Jordy Nelson, Amari Cooper. There's no one else to throw the ball to besides Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams. So someone's got to get it, uh, and i got to think that, Tyrell Williams is gonna gonna get it, and when he gets targets, he gets catches and scores touchdowns. I mean, he's not gonna uh, be anyone's top pick, but for the value you're getting for Tyrell Williams right now, especially when people are down on his landing spot, it makes sense to to uh, see what he does. You know, come week one, week two. Tyrell Williams going at the 14.05 currently in FFPC best ball draft. Certainly a smart way to spend a draft pick there, especially in that type of format where you have Tyrell. I mean, Tyrell Williams is an explosive guy. He's, he's made a lot of big chunk yardage, big explosive touchdowns for the Chargers over the course of his career, and he moves to, uh, to Oakland now. You know, probably with not as great of a quarterback, but certainly I think a better situation, is, as you pointed out, Tyler. I, th I think he is in for a pretty yeah. good year, and I'm sure he'll be on a few of my teams for sure. It's crazy how uh, undervalued he is in best ball, especially in best ball. This is a guy who should be going way higher than that. Uh, most, you know, look at his air yards per target. 
this is a guy who can win you best ball leagues. Uh, I wouldn't know because I've, again, never won a best ball league, but he probably could win you best <laughs> ball leagues. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it seems to reason, right? It stands to reason that yeah. he'd be able to, uh, to win you leagues with, uh, with the type of um, – you know, and and we'll see what Oakland does with their defense. You know, sometimes the best the best friend of um, of a wide receiver is is a bad is a poor defense on the other side of the football. Mm-hmm. So he can keep getting those targets, keep getting that yardage. Uh, we'll see what happens there with Oakland. Great That's point. another compelling team that we're going to be watching this year as well. I, I think there's a lot of moving pieces there. Um, two of your receivers, your other receivers uh, on this squad, they have switched jerseys over the course of uh, the last couple of months as well. Adam Humphreys has moved north from Tampa to find a home in Nashville. And then uh, Deshaun Jackson moves all the way back up to Philly as he will be catching passes from Carson Wentz this year in an Eagles uniform. Of those two players, which one do you think has the better season this year between Humphreys as a Titan and Jackson as an Eagle? I think Adam Humphreys, no question, as a week-to-week uh, possible starting player for your uh, your fantasy team will definitely be better than Deshaun Jackson. You know, Adam Humphreys is a great route runner, chain mover. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, you know, receiving core is Corey Davis and then no one uh, from to my eye. So I think he slots in perfectly into the slot and, and will just be that chain moving, uh, reliable guy that Mariota has never had on the Titans or hasn't had in a while. And so, uh, yeah, I'm looking for just that consistent week-to-week performance from him. I think Deshaun Jackson in Philly, is he's got some Philly magic. But, uh, you know, anyone who was investing in Philly receivers the past year knows that it's a frustrating uh, game. So, you know, I'm not really putting a lot of, uh, of stock into Deshaun Jackson in Philly. Also, I think that the uh, Philly, uh, the Eagles chose the wrong quarterback. I don't know if I could say, but Big Dick Nick is definitely the quarterback they should have kept, and they should have shipped Carson Wentz out for a couple of draft picks. But, you know, we'll see. I I could be definitely wrong about that, but uh, I look for big things from – my good friend, Big Dick Nick and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Can I say that on the show? Is that, is that yeah, cool? Yeah, you know, thing? you can pretty listen. Uh, listen, we're, Tyler, we're, we're on the Internet, so there's, there's no rules here. I mean, this is, this is basically whatever you want to do. Um, Deshaun Jackson, as far as uh, FFPC ADP goes right now, he is going at the 16.09. Adam Humphreys is going in front of him, not by much, though. Adam Humphreys at the 15.08 looking like a nice little value there. Uh, right now if you want to jump in and draft. And I always say this every year, you know, if you jump in these best balls right now, I think you can get a lot of good value on a lot of players because not a, there's a lot of people out there that uh, aren't paying attention or the information isn't as prevalent as it's going to be come, you know, August and September. Uh, but Adam Humphreys in the 15th seems pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, he finished uh, at the 24th back. overall. Uh, sorry to cut you off. Uh, Adam Humphreys no, finished at the 24th. Overall wide receiver in FFPC last year. It's, uh, yeah, I don't think you're getting much better value than that in the 15th round. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the thing is, is like we're, we're always after all these receivers that, 
that you have this heavy target volume. It's the same thing I say about running backs all the time. It's like if, if you don't catch passes, it's going to be difficult for me to get very interested to be in business with you uh, for fantasy football purposes. And, and when you have all these slot guys, and we're going to get to another one in, in the NFC East that, that I think is very intriguing this upcoming season a little bit later on in the show. But Humphreys is going to catch a lot of balls there. And, uh, and I really, you know, Delaney Walker is, He's, he's got to be coming up on the end. I, I'm starting to think that um, we're, we're never I, – I, I shouldn't say I'm starting to think. I'm pretty sure Corey Davis is never going to develop into the player I hoped he would be. I still think he's going to mm. be very good, um, but just not to the level that, that I was hoping. Um, and then, Ad, then you have Adam Humphreys, who, who is going to do a good job moving the chains this year for Tennessee. I mean, they're, they're paying him a lot of money to do that, and he certainly has the capability to, no doubt. I want to get back to Antonio Brown here for a second, Tyler, and – um, how does that affect uh, he, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster? The fact that now instead of playing opposite Antonio Brown, he's me playing opposite either Dante Moncrief or, or, or James Washington. Uh, you have Juju Smith-Schuster on this team. He's obviously massive last year. Do you think that because of the volume increasing, or at least it should be increasing for JJSS, does that mean better things for him in comparison to last year? Or does the fact that he's going to have this extra defensive attention uh, cause him to have a, a worse season? How, how do you, I mean, where, which way is he sliding this year? Is he going up or is he going down? Well, I think it's hard to even go up from where he was this past year. But if I had to pick one of those, I do think he goes up. He had a, uh, maybe with no more volume, though, he had 166 targets last year. Uh, only behind Antonio, Antonio Brown, 169 targets. So Juju's going to get fed the ball uh, for sure because those targets have to go elsewhere. And I think Dante Moncrief uh, stinks. I don't think he's a very good football player. <laughs> and I think that James Washington also might be not so good at football. So, uh, But what I'm banking on is Ben Roethlisberger having an FU-type season and just saying, okay, oh, yeah. Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, you guys don't want to play with me? That's cool. I got Juju, and we're going to run up the scores on people. And I think that uh, Juju's got something. He, he wants to prove uh, that he's an alpha dog, wide receiver one as well. And so, yeah, I, I bank on uh, Ben having a lot to prove this year and as well as Juju. And I think that uh, lock him in as a wide receiver one. I don't think that uh, just because of, you know, with a cornerback he's going up against, uh, there's going to be a drop-off there. You know, and, and I'll always bet on volume. You know, anytime that, that you're going to be the number one guy, I'm, I always would rather have that than being the number two and, and getting, you know, quote-unquote less defensive attention. I had not considered that Roethlisberger angle because this is a guy that has had both Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown I don't want to say throw him under the bus, but have choice words for him, strong words for him to the media. And Roethlisberger, to me, strikes me as the type of guy that really doesn't care a whole lot what people think about him. But I think when, when teammates are doing this to him, I think that that, that that would affect him a little bit, and in a good way, in sort of like a, now you've activated the Super Saiyan uh, Roethlisberger type way, where he's just, where, like you said, he could have just a big FU season. Juju Smith-Schuster catches like you know 130 balls, um, you, you know, you have uh, a Vance McDonald getting like nine touchdowns, James Conner, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, wrecking stuff as like a top 10 running back this year. See, I mean, you make 
great points. And that Pittsburgh yeah. defense, you know, we, we talked about this earlier with the Raiders defense. The, it's not like the Steelers defense is, is insurmountable. I mean, they, they should give up a lot of points this year, especially facing Cleveland twice. Uh, and you look at the, the, rest, the rest of their schedules, it's not exactly – um, uh, you know, a, a bunch of lowly offenses that they're facing. So I think that uh, Roethlisberger point is, is is really really good. And is and is and in fact, I'm looking up his ADP right now because I, I don't think it's very high. He is going at the uh, he's going at the 902. Okay, so that's higher than I thought. But I mean, there's still plenty of. I mean, he's he's right in that sweet spot where he could definitely outplay that ADP, no question. Going forward, totally. On this he's a prideful. This is a prideful two-time Super Bowl-winning quarterback whose teammates, whose top, you know, most talented teammates, are saying that he's the problem and all of this stuff. So he's coming out and uh, coming out with a vengeance, I believe. Uh, Talking with Tyler Jackson here, the uh, 750 number 30 champion in the FFPC last year, sitting in for David A. Gerzak tonight. Uh, we haven't talked to uh, rookies a whole lot, and I'm I'm curious as to how your your approach has been, given that you don't have first, second, or third. At least I don't think I know you traded your first, second, or third round picks last year. I'm not sure if you acquired anybody else's going into the season. Have you scouted the rookies much, knowing that um, you know you 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 would have to give up uh, assets to get back in to that first round to to um, you know draft some of these potential difference makers. Or are you still monitoring, uh, you know, some of these guys, seeing that maybe they would be worthwhile sneaking up and, and, and moving up in the draft to grab them? Uh, any rookies sticking out to you so far this year, Tyler? You know, uh, it's, a, it's a great thing sometimes not to have any rookie picks until 312 is my first one. So I, you know, haven't done as much homework as I normally would at this point because I'm just not seeing anyone I'm – I'm really excited about uh, trading 2020 picks. I mean, a lot of people are talking about, you know, 2020 uh, draft picks being incredibly strong already. So, you know, uh, my attention has more been on the kind of uh, free agent, uh, you know, veteran acquisitions I can start thinking about in the third, fourth, fifth rounds of the uh, the rookie draft. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that, you know, DK Metcalf, whenever he got really excited because he's obviously an incredibly athletic man, uh, I think that it's just one of these guys who's prime for a prime to be a, a disappointment for fantasy teams. I'm really glad I don't have one of those first few picks because I think he's going to Buffalo. I think it's like got Buffalo written all over it. <laughs> and, uh, and he's going to Buffalo at nine and then he's going to, you know, be catching those ice balls that are going to be going all over the place. And it's just, yeah, it's not going to be, I, I, I'm predicting, I'm looking into my crystal ball and I'm predicting it's not going to be uh, the type of, of rookie that people want to be investing high assets in. Yeah, I, I am. I'm not a DK Metcalf guy either. And I feel like if he ends up you know, being like David Boston 2.0, I'm going to be like, well, why, why didn't I like him? What would, and, and the thing is, as, as I look deeper into this, like there's no question he is uber strong. There's no question he is insanely fast. The question I have, and this is something that has dogged receivers like him in the past, is, is his ability to, to change direction, to get open, you know, that, that, that sort of lateral cut on a dime. You know, part of the reason that um, – you know, he's not able to, is he is carrying a lot of weight and a lot of muscle. 
And once he gets his body going, which, you know, we've seen his straight line speed. He runs a great 40. Once he gets cranked up, he, he really can blow by you. But if, if, you can't, if you don't have the threat of breaking off those routes and in, in, in getting open on, on hitches and, and crossing patterns and, and slants and what have you, uh, then, then your speed and your size is, and your, and your, your strength is nullified a little bit. And I think that's yeah, what's, cool. what's going to happen everyone with, go, with DK Metcalf. Yeah, everyone uh, go watch the three-cone drill. It's, uh, it's a funny watch. You know, Tom Brady beat him and has a faster three-cone. Uh, that's uh, troubling. It's also troubling that he, he wasn't even the best receiver on his own team in college. So, you know, to expect – because he ran a really fast 40 and he's super strong – uh, to expect that he's going to come in and, and be a you know wide receiver one in his rookie or second year, I, it just doesn't doesn't seem like uh, it's going to happen. But yeah, and I, and, and, I and, and and you know I'm with you on the three. I know now. I know people say like, well, he slipped a little bit on his three cone. Okay, well, you know you can slip in the NFL too when you're running a route. I've seen it happen. Um, and, and so I, I I guess the thing is like when it comes down to dynasty, Tyler, and I don't know what your philosophy is on this, but I really don't like going into a rookie draft and feeling compelled to take a player because that's where he's going or because everybody else says that's the pick. I'm more like, you know, sometimes I'll do that in redraft because who cares? It's, it's one year or whatever, and, and, you know, you don't want to overthink it. I will overthink it in Dynasty. I want to draft, um, you know, I, was, I just, right before I did this uh, show, I, I, was, I was on the, uh, the, the Dynasty 101 uh, podcast uh, with, uh, with, with uh, Dave Sherney, and um, we were talking about, um, you know, Dynasty is, is all about, I, I think, more so than redraft, more so than anything is, is you want to draft players that you want to root for. You want to draft players that you want to see well. You want to draft guys that, that you enjoy watch play, watching play football. And I feel like I might be wrong on DK Metcalf, but I'm, I'm okay with that. I've made my peace with it. I think the play is, you know, there's probably going to be a few guys in your league um, that, that like DK Metcalf, and one of them is probably going to be willing to move up a sp- few spots to grab him, and, and that might be the play right there. It's just if you, if you don't like him and you know that's where he's going to go, wait till you're on the clock, trade out of the pick, get some assets for it, and, and move on and, and know that, that you're going to grab a guy that you like better than Metcalf. At least that's my take on it. Like if he falls to me, I, I don't want to pick him, you know, but I know somebody else probably will, and that's when I move the pick. Yeah, Eric, it's a really great point. I have a I have a rule in a fantasy, uh, a gentleman's rule. I I only want gentlemen on my team. Anyone with a history of trouble with the law or drugs or domestic violence, especially in Dynasty, uh, uh, it's it's you know it can blow up in your face really quickly. That's why it's so funny. I offered that Tyreek Hill deal and then as if to remind me of my gentle, uh, he didn't accept it. And as if to remind me of my gentleman's rule for my dynasty team, you know, it's coming out that Tyreek Hill may have allegedly abused his own three-year-old son. It's, it's, yeah, it it can, uh, an asset can turn and just blow up in your face so quickly that uh, you really, it's also better when you have, um, an investment in guys that you like rooting for and they turn out to do well, that's something really sweet about that, especially as you, you know, you draft rookies and you're, you're invested in them and then they uh, give you some dividends later on. That's an awesome feeling. Yeah, no. And I'm with you. I mean, like how awesome, you know, 
I, I think about guys like I liked having on my dynasty teams, either currently or, or back in the day, you know, guys like you like rooting for Drew Brees, Larry Fitzgerald, Jordy Nelson, you know, Rob Gronkowski, guys I love watching play, you know, the way they play the game and, and how much fun they have. And, and, you know, the, these guys aren't, you know, getting, you know, into brawls at bars at two in the morning. They're, they're not, um, you know, uh, out, out, you know, uh, abusing women or, or what have you. And in fact, in many cases, like with Fitz and, and Breeze and, and Jordy Nelson, and, and these guys are doing the opposite. They're doing a lot of stuff for the community. And not that I, like, look at that, you know, when I um, am, have to make a decision to, to better my, my dynasty team, but it certainly makes it easier when, when I'm cheering for those guys on Sunday as opposed to, you know, players I, I'm not, and I don't want to lump, I don't want to lump DK Metcalf into that, like, because, oh, you no, know, there's been no reports of yeah. him like that, but he's just a guy that I just, I don't envision myself being too excited to, you know, especially if he does go to Buffalo and, and I'm with you, it's that, that pick screams Buffalo. I mean, it really does. Uh, and, and I will you know not wake up it. on Sunday morning. You, know it. you probably, I, I have no doubt. It's, it's just, it's, it, it seems like it, you know, they have Josh Allen who can throw it a country mile um, so it just, it just seems like it is a, it, it's, it's such a bills move uh, to do something like that. And we'll see what happens. I mean, it, it, it's, we're, a mo- we're about a month away. Things could change, but, um, but definitely I'm, I'm intrigued to see where Metcalf goes at a minimum. Let's get to a couple of emails here, Tyler, uh, that they came in for you personally. This is Norm in Roland, Pennsylvania. Uh, he writes, what's the best value among all three of the big receivers from the Rams? Thanks, Tyler. That is Norm in Roland, Pennsylvania. So I can tell you right now, as I look at the FFPC ADP, Brandon Cooks is currently going at the 410 uh, in FFPC uh, redraft in, in best ball. Robert Woods goes a little bit after that at the 504, and Cooper Cup is going at the 508. So they're actually all pretty bunched up. I don't know if there's a particular value between those three receivers since they are going so close to each other. Do you have a favorite this year, uh, Tyler, between Cup and Woods and Cooks? Let me start up by saying that I'm a lifelong diehard Seattle Seahawks fan. Go Hawks. Uh, so I don't have a favorite of the Rams. I, I hate them all equally. Uh, but of those three, for dynasty purposes, uh, it's got to be Cooper Cup. Uh, we saw the regression that Jared Goff had without Cooper Cup on the field and the Rams offense entirely without Cooper Cup on the field. Uh, it's funny that he's being, his, his ADP is the lowest of the three. I think that uh, he definitely provides the most week-to-week auto start value, which is another thing I love – you know, having having a team uh, where you're not sweating uh, which your lineup so much because that kind of thing can drive you crazy. You need, you know, your studs that you just are going to start week to week and you're not uh, worried so much about the matchup. And I think that's what Cooper Cup gives you uh, when he's healthy and on the field. And it, by all accounts, it looks like he'll be healthy for 2019. Yeah, it, it seems like everything's progressing. He's either ahead of schedule or um, on schedule, depending upon what outlet you read. So that's you always like to see that, too. And I don't, you know, sometimes I, well, I, I, I won't get into the whole Cooper Cup thing, but I'm with you. I like him. I know Dave's a big fan of, of Cooper Cup as well. And, and I actually thought, you know, coming off the ACL, he might be more of a discount. Um, but he end up, you know, if, if we see him play, you know, early on in the preseason, he actually could move. It wouldn't shock me at all if he moved ahead 
of both Cooks and Woods on that team as far as ADP goes, and he's the first guy chosen. He was going to be on pace for a pretty epic year last year until he went down. So it's certainly a position uh, that we'll be monitoring as far as the Rams wide receivers go going forward and into draft season. One more email here uh, for you, Tyler, before we move on. This is from Marshall in Detroit. Is it Marshall Mathers? I don't know. It's, it's entirely possible. Uh, is, uh, is, you know Eminem's a big listener for this show. Is Hunter Henry going to, excuse me, is Hunter Henry going too high in FFPC drafts right now? And in uh, redraft best ball, Hunter Henry uh, is going at the 407, so the mid fourth, and I believe that makes him, yes, it does indeed make him the fourth tight end off the board after Kelsey, Ertz, and Kittle, who are all going in either the first or second round. Hunter Henry is the next one off the board in the mid fourth at the 407. Is that too high for him this year? I mean, he came back and played a little bit in the playoffs last year, so it sounds like the knee is going to be okay. But your thoughts on drafting Hunter Henry in the 40, at, the, at the 407 spot this year, Tyler? Feels like a desperation move based on how bad the tight end position was. Uh, he's just a big question mark uh, in terms of in terms of the skill is there, the talent's there, but uh, how it works with the offense and everything. I think it's it's uh, yeah, it's one of those desperation moves. It could either turn out to be really smart or like I can't believe I drafted Hunter Henry in the fourth round. What was I thinking? Uh, I, I personally wouldn't do it. I'd rather sit on it and wait for, you know, even O.J. Howard, who's also coming back from injury, I think provides a lot more value. I don't, I don't know exactly where his ADP is, but certainly well, and, and Tyler, uh, lower than the fourth me, round. Let, and let me bring that up because, because there is a glut of tight ends going from the mid-fourth to the mid-fifth right now, and Hunter Henry is actually the first one off the board. And besides Howard, I mean, all these other guys ended the season healthy. You have Evan Engram at the 4'10". You have O.J. Howard at the 4'11", Eric Ebron at the 4'11", uh, David Njoku at the 5'05". So the fact that all four of those tight ends are going after Hunter Henry, I'm probably, if, if I miss out, if I was playing in a tight end premium league and I missed out on the top three tight ends, it might serve me well just to grab whatever guy is left there. And David Njoku at the 505 to me is, as the last one there, is very, very intriguing to me uh, to, to get sort of an upper echelon tight end, not paying the upper echelon tight end price in, a, in the mid-fifth. So that is, uh, is, is you know, the, this tight end ADP, I think it's going to switch uh, within the next couple of months especially after the, the NFL draft, too. I mean, we'll, we'll always see some minor tweaks and changes then. That's something that we'll be monitoring on this show going forward every Friday here. Um, l- let's do one more question with, for you, Tyler, before you and I uh, sort of talk about the, the new deals and the, and the news around the NFL that's been going on this past week. Can you give us a guy that you're actually going to be staying away from uh, in the early rounds next season and, and then a guy, and we'll, we'll talk about this from a redraft perspective, not, not necessarily a dynasty one, but a guy that you're going to be staying away from early on and then a guy that you think is actually going to be a sleeper poised to break out or bounce back or really overperform uh, and beat his current draft value uh, this coming season? Yeah, I, I will not be owning any shares of Saquon Barkley uh, this coming season in redraft. Uh, the Giants are a mess. The offensive line is a mess. Uh, there's no, I mean, there's, they're going to be, he's going to be facing stacked boxes every time he's on the field. I know he's, there's not much else to, uh, to get the ball to, but it's just not setting up as a, as a, a formula for success and with running back. So yeah, Saquon Barkley, 
um, is way, being way overdrafted. I know he's a great talent. I would love to have him on my dynasty team, but this coming season is going to be a nightmare for the Giants' offense. And uh, yeah, that's that's the one player that um, you know I'm staying away from that everyone seems to still love. Do you have uh do you have any like a like a pass catching running back or maybe like a, a sleeper receiver or a sleeper tight end that that you think uh, not that that not a lot of people will be on this year that that you'll have on on a good number of your teams or is it is it still too early to make that call? You know, not a pass catching running back, but a running back I absolutely love and I own him in Dynasty. I drafted him in startup uh that I've just been, you know, talk about a guy you want to root for is Derrick Henry. Uh, love, I absolutely love Derrick Henry this year in redraft and, you know, for my dynasty team, he's, uh, he just, he's one of these running backs who, uh, doesn't have a lot of mile NFL mileage on him. And he, he just, I heard him say that he scouted, you know, after the bot during the bye, he scouted himself, uh, last year to, to improve himself. And that was what partially what accounted for his big blow up. That part of the reason that led me to a dynasty championship last year in the playoffs was he was just, you know, ep- epic all time, uh, uh, running back playoff performance. Yeah, no. And we're going to get into Derek Henry, uh, later on in the show, uh, because I definitely want to ask you about him. Uh, but he's a guy that, that has, uh, he's, he's gone up, uh, as far as ADP goes. And I think he's going to continue to rise, um, more to come on that uh, coming up later on in the show. I want to get to the fantasy flash here. Thanks to football guys, Roto World and Rob for tonight's rundown. Uh, Jay Gruden has said that he is excited for second-year wide receiver Trey Quinn and is, quote, ready to watch him jump into the slot role and dominate the position. Wow. It's from a report in The Athletic. Remember, no Jamison Crowder on this team in 2019 as he will be catching balls from Sam Darnold in New York. Jay Gruden said that Quinn is an option uh, in the slot, but to me, uh, that quote right there represents that he has uh, much more faith in him as as only an option. It sounds like he is the answer there. Um, now, Trey Quinn, if you remember, last year in September, he uh, had a high ankle sprain and uh, would, was placed on IR to return. He got back in November, then he got hurt again. Uh, this is not something that really affected him all that much at, at SMU. And, and when he, by the way, when he's playing opposite, um, what's his name, uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, he is, uh, had the lowest drop rate among all receivers in last year's draft class, going to be catching balls from Case Keenum. And I'm going to preface uh, this by, uh, before I ask you this, Tyler, by telling you that Trey Quinn, if you want to get him in an FFPC best ball, you basically, he's basically free. I mean, before this, he was going in the 26th round. When, when this quote came out, um, whatever it was, I think yesterday, um, he's going to be going up. Uh, in fact, he's, he's already been picked as early as the 20th round. I, I would imagine that that will even go up higher. But right now, I mean, if you're drafting, Trey Quinn to me seems like a guy that, that could catch 70 or, or even 80 balls this year in Washington. That has a lot of value in the FFPC format. Yeah, I love slot receivers, especially uh, that late in drafts. If you can get someone who's going to have a lot of volume and, you know, who else is there going to catch passes? Paul Richardson's going to be hurt again, you know, before <laughs> before long. And uh, Maybe Josh Doxson, too. I mean, he, he, he's yeah, no stranger to exactly, the trainer's table. Exactly. It's, uh, someone's going to be there to catch some uh, some passes. And uh, Trey Quinn and seems Reed like is always hurt too. a dart throw. Yeah, I know, I know. 
it's just a constant. I mean, poor Washington, Washington football, professional football club fans. Uh, they are, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm so glad I'm a Seahawks fan. Right, yeah, this is, it makes you makes you appreciate what you have for sure. Mid Montana chiming in in the chat room right now. Man, that Washington team is going to be bad, man. And and the fact that you know if they are bad should be good news for Trey Quinn because he should be catching a lot of passes as Washington tries to keep up with whoever they're playing this week. So I'm on definitely on Trey Quinn. We'll see how high, uh, how high he rises uh, and how far he he moves up draft boards going forward but right now he's a must get in my opinion in uh in all of your best ball teams chris ballard the gm of the colts says uh the team believes marlon mack quote can play all three downs this was uh, according to an interview broadcast on 1070 a.m in indianapolis uh ballard says he thinks that mack can carry the load remember the colts are mentioned as being a possible uh, candidate to sign levy on bell uh, this past season, but uh, it doesn't sound like they were ever all that serious about it. Coach uh, Frank Wright uh, says he absolutely thinks Mac is a feature back, and he says he's, quote, will look to continue to build that with Marlon. Uh, in week six last year, Marlon Mack went down, actually hurt a couple of my teams, but then he went uh, for 218 carries, 1,068 rushing yards, and 10 touchdowns in 13 games, including the playoffs. He had five, count them, 500-yard games within that span. Marlon Mack, talking about him being a true three-down back, and if that is the case, you look at his ADP at the 307 right now. If you go wide receiver, wide receiver, and your first two picks, Tyler, Marlon Mack seems like a pretty solid choice in the mid-third round based on that. Agree completely. I love Marlon Mack. Uh, there's, the only reason he's not being drafted higher, I think, is because of you know, Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins are both other talented running backs in that backfield. But Marlon Mack uh, is just the most talented one of the three. So you got to believe that he's going to be given the uh, the ability to, you know, to be the lead, lead back there. Uh, this was probably the big, uh, yeah, I would say this is probably the biggest news um, since uh, the Gronk retirement, which we'll get to in a, in a little bit. But Adam Schefter reported that uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, actually traded for Jordan Howard in exchange for a 2020 six-round pick that could become a fifth-rounder. Not a lot, uh, essentially, is what Philly gave up to get Jordan Howard. Uh, He is going to be 25 this coming season. He went from 5.2 yards per carry as a rookie to 4.1 two years ago to 3.7 last year. Ugh. Um, and you look at uh, Jordan Howard joining kind of a semi-crowded backfield in Philly. I mean, we'll see what happens with Jay Ajayi. I don't know where he's going to go. But, you know, and I was making this point um, earlier. I can't remember who I was talking to about this, but it's sort of like Philadelphia uh, and Doug Peterson, they love interchanging their, their running backs there. Um, and I don't know how much you can count on Jordan Howard production this year. I mean, he, he, he was an accumulator last year and actually put up decent numbers for – you know, for what he was in, uh, for, for the amount of touches he got. But I look at Jordan Howard, and it's just it's not exciting to me to, to draft a non-pass-catching running back in an offense that, that loves to flip their running backs around. He's going at the 804 right now. I know that's not a big price to pay, but I'm probably looking elsewhere. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just not that excited about Jordan Howard for 2019, Tyler. Yeah, neither am I. Uh, this is the new Eddie Lacy. Jordan Howard is the new oh, Eddie Lacy. Yes. Uh, you know, I, you can just easily see Corey Clement or Josh Adams or, you know, some guy we don't know about off the street uh, 
just taking this backfield over and that's way too high a price to pay um, because we remember two years ago when Jordan Howard came out and was good. I mean, this, he's, he wasn't, the bears basically gave him away uh, for nothing. And they, they know Jordan Howard more than we do. So I'm going to, I'm going to listen to the bears and listen uh, to, uh, you know, one of the top executives in football and to say, okay, uh, I'm going to leave Jordan Howard alone. It goes back to that whole thing of like draft guys that you want to root for. And and he just, he's such a vanilla type guy, like, you know, and I know he works hard and what have you. And, and, and he's talented to a certain degree, but it's just like, you know, I, I'm, I'm just not jazzed about it. Um, Now, if you went, let's say you went zero RB and you go with, you know, four receivers and, and a tight end, your first five picks, um, and then maybe you, you draft the running back and then maybe, uh, you know, another receiver, another tight end, and you're looking at trying to get a second running back in the eighth round. Okay, in that scenario, I guess you could make a decent case for it, but it still would not be my favorite, not the way I would build a team. Um, just Jordan Howard, I think that this was – and this is sort of why I buried it on here. It's just to me this is sort of a non-story. I'm, not, I'm just – I'm not excited about this. Uh, whatsoever. I could be wrong, but but I don't think I am uh, in this case. Uh, as long as we're talking about Adam Schefter uh, reports on Twitter, he also talked about Isaiah Crowell moving on from the Jets, heading out west, signing a one-year deal up to $2.5 million with the Oakland Raiders. Now, it doesn't sound... I mean, to me, the fact that they're signing him uh, to this deal suggests that Marshawn Lynch is going to be done. He is 33 years old, uh, coming up on the 2019 season. Crowell last year, 143 carries, 685 yards. That was good enough for 4.79 yards per carry. But before you get too excited, remember that he had a 219-yard rushing game uh, this past year that went into that as well. Uh, He's probably going to make the roster. I mean, Doug Martin's a free agent. DeAndre Washington, uh, Jalen Richard, not not exactly world beaters there. Uh, But again, uh, Tyler, uh, you talk about running backs that you want to get excited about. I'm moving past Jordan Howard in the eighth. Quite frankly, I don't know how excited I am about Isaiah Kroll in the 21st. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not a whole lot uh, right now. I feel like you look at the Raiders uh, and what they're going to do in the draft with all those picks. If they draft a rookie on day one or day two, I'm going to be much more excited about that than I am about Isaiah Kroll in the 21st. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually more, way more excited about Jalen Richard in Oakland. People are down on him, but 68 catches last year, 600 yards. Uh, he and, you know, John Gruden uh, speaks really highly of him and said a ton of stuff. We've got to get him on the field more. We've got to get him the ball more. Uh, he is one of those pass-catching running backs that hasn't really been given much opportunity to show us what he can do on the ground, but I could see it happening. I mean, he averaged – uh, almost five yards a carry last year and 55 carries. So uh, he, he, to me, is the clear running back to own, even if they draft a rookie uh, in in uh, Oakland. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, again, the, 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 the Raiders, the Browns, the Giants, I think three of the teams I'm most excited to see what they do uh, going forward in the draft. Um, and, and, well, maybe not so much the Browns, because I think their team is basically built but for the teams with a lot of ammo, like the Giants, uh, like the Raiders, be interesting to see what they do. Uh, and finally, we said goodbye to Rob Gronkowski this week as he hung it up at the age of 29. His agent, Drew Rosenhaus, quote, 
Wouldn't be shocked if Gronk decides to come back and return. This appeared on Adam Schefter's Twitter feed. He was on ESPN's Get Up earlier this week. Uh, Drew Rosenhaus said that Gronk told him football is really a thing in the past, but Rosenhaus wasn't convinced that that would not change. Um, The quote from him, let's just say hypothetically Tom Brady gave him a call and said, Rob, I need you. I wouldn't be shocked if he came back to play a few games. Um, I don't, I mean, I own Rob Gronkowski uh, on one dynasty roster and I don't have to cut down for that particular league yet. Um, and actually that's a, it's a way, it's a super late cut down. It might not have to cut down until like, uh, the week before the season starts. So I'll have that luxury. Tyler, I'm keeping him around because there's no penalty and there's nothing to be gained, uh, for dropping him right now. I don't, I, I don't think he's coming back. I think he's done. Uh, do you also think he's done? Would you, you know, with dynasty cuts coming up with the FFPC on Sunday, is Gr- uh, Gronkowski worth one of those 16 valuable roster spots? You know, I think. In FFPC, you probably can't keep him, but I am 100% sure that Rob Gronkowski is going to come running out of the tunnel like the ultimate warrior come like week 12 or whatever (laughs) and join the New England Patriots for another Super Bowl run. I can see it all happening right now. It makes perfect. It's a brilliant. It's just like the most evil, brilliant New England Patriots strategy. They went to him and said, Gronk, we just need you to retire. We need some salary cap help. We're bringing you back in week 12. Just rest your body, and then they're going to they're gonna run him back out onto the field for another Super Bowl run. It's all happening. If you have the space, you definitely need to keep Gronk because uh, week 14, 15, 16, he's going to probably win you another championship. And you know if that happens, he would come out like he'd, he'd have like the – the ultimate war, he'd have the wig on, he'd have like the tassels coming <laughs> off the arms, he'd have like the tassels on the boots, like on his socks, he'd, pay, he'd paint his face and everything. He'd, he'd come into the ultimate warrior muse. Oh man, I want this to happen now. I didn't consider that. That would be, and that would be such a gronk thing to do, you know? Yeah, um, of course. Oh, man, it, 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 it would be tremendous if it happened. Let's, uh, we got a few minutes left in the show. Let's answer a few emails here. Uh, that, that came in this week. Uh, first one we're going to go to is Jim in Parsons, Kansas. Hey, guys, which Derrick Henry do you expect to see in 2019, the one we saw for most of 2018, or the beast that showed up for the last several weeks? Thanks, gentlemen. That's Jim in Parsons, Kansas. You touched on this before, Tyler. I think you were of the opinion that we saw the real Derrick Henry uh, the last month, month and a half of the season when he was running roughshod over defenses in the NFL. Do you expect to see that continue? Yes, yes, Derrick Henry, buy now while you can. Uh, he's, he's a beast. He runs angry. Uh, you know, the, the Tennessee Titans offense, you have to remember that that first over half of the season, maybe all of the season, their offense was in terrible shape. Uh, they didn't know what they're doing. They're not giving uh, Derrick Henry the, the ball in his own blocking scheme. And, you know, they just didn't have it figured out. They're trying to make Deion Lewis into a – a three down back. I think uh, they have it figured out. Everything the coach is saying, uh, you know, all the words out of there are uh, Derrick Henry is a lead back. We're going to feed him the ball. And uh, his work ethic is second to none. His physicality, you know, he's a, he's a linebacker who plays running back. I, I just love it for, you know, 16 game season. If he, if he finally gets the chance to get that volume, to get that, you know, near, you know, 260, 270 kind of rushing uh, touches, he'll uh, win you some championships. 
So now let me ask you this as a, as a selfish question here. Now I'm in the shadows of Lambeau field in Northeast Wisconsin and, and the Packers just got a new head coach in Matt LaFleur, who was the offensive coordinator for the Titans last year. If you are looking at drafting any Packers this year, be it Jones or Adams or Williams or Rogers or Graham or whoever, are you at all concerned that the dude who is head coaching this team, that the dude who is calling the plays for this team was the guy who couldn't really figure out the Titans offense and, and unleashing Derrick Henry on the rest of the NFL until the last four weeks of the season. Should that be a concern if you're looking at drafting Packers this year? Yeah, I, I you know, I was befuddled by the Matt LaFleur hiring because the Titans offense I thought was terrible and the numbers say it was terrible. And uh, so I I am concerned, but uh, anyone's better than Mike McCarthy. Uh, so you guys, I mean, basically, <laughs> basically Aaron Rodgers is the player coach of the team, like old school Joe Montana day. So, so yeah, Matt LaFleur is just the guy they're paying to take some heat off of Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers is the coach of your team now, and that bodes well. Speaking about an FU season, I think Aaron Rodgers is in for an FU season. And uh, I'm, I'd be worried if I were the Chicago Bears uh, come week one. You know, and and it goes back to the whole standpoint of like, you know, we the all the reports at least up here said that there was a a rift, and, and not even reports up here, reports everywhere said that there is a rift between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. And I think what 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 made Mike McCarthy great was was also caused his downfall in in the respect of when he got the head coaching job, he had a plan and he had a vision and he knew what he wanted to do, and that ultimately got them to a Super Bowl and got him a, a Super Bowl ring. But I think that's what caused you know, him, him tumbling down too because as the NFL changed and as offenses changed and the players he was, was coaching, what they wanted to do changed, he refused to change with it. You know, he knew what it took to, to, to get to the, to the mountaintop, but he didn't have it within him to, to stay there. He wasn't willing to change. And, and I think that's, that's ultimately, you know, kind of because I think like watching the Packers and, and this offense really slog along, it was so obvious to me that there needed to be an injection of life and an injection of, of, of creativity, some more modernism in the play calls. And Mike McCarthy just wasn't going to do that. And I think Aaron Rodgers knew that he wasn't going to change. And, and that's ultimately, I think, why, why, the, the Packers parted ways with McCarthy and, and went for basically his polar opposite, you know, a younger <laughs> modern guy in the, in the Sean McVay mold. Like you could not get more opposite. And I know that Aaron Rodgers is very excited about that. And uh, we'll see what happens because I, I think that, you know, in the same mold with, with Roethlisberger, as you pointed out, I think Rodgers could have that type of season uh, this year as well. You know, you get all those rookie receivers from last year with a year's experience under their belts. Uh, you have Devontae Adams, who's coming off the best season of his career. Um, we'll see what they do in the draft. I mean, they could add some playmakers there, too. You get you know, a, guy, a guy like TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant in the, in the first round or Irv Smith or anybody like that, a, a seam-stretching tight end. Things could be very, very different on that Packers offense quickly. All right, we have to get to another email here, and this actually also came from the chat room. Uh, Waskai wanted to know, uh, your views on Royce Freeman versus Lindsay, and that goes in with Rick and in Pomona, California. Uh, his email: What's up, Balky and Tyler? Taking their current fantasy values into account, who is the better pick for 2019? 
Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman? And before you answer that question, Tyler, I will tell you right now, as I look at the FFPC best ball ADP, Philip Lindsay is currently going in the mid fourth at the 405. Royce Freeman's ADP, as it stands right now, is all the way down at the 907. So you can get Lindsay if you want, but you're going to have to pay a premium to get him, and that premium is five rounds earlier than Royce Freeman. If you could only have one of those guys in your team, who would it be? Or would you invest in both of them to lock up that Denver ground game? Yeah, I'm investing in Royce Freeman here. Uh, it's funny that he's even lower uh, ADP than than Jordan Howard. Uh, Royce Freeman's just a better player. If you look at the the uh, advanced metrics on like the offensive line grades, for some reason the offensive line in Denver was was much better at run blocking for Philip Lindsay, uh, but, you know, by uh, a wide margin. But uh, that says to me that perhaps there's just uh, some variance there and they'll figure out how to, you know, how to block for this guy. Again, that's, that's an offense last year that was pretty terrible. Um, they should be better. Uh, Philip Lindsay is, you know, a 5'8", 185-pound uh, running back or something like this. It's It's – uh, not a lot of uh, – I don't invest a lot in, in guys like that uh, when I can have Royce Freeman, who's, uh, you know, a much better value and uh, as good a player to my eye anyway. If somebody offered you I – I can't use 2019 as an example because we know where all the picks are, but if, if somebody offered – if you own Philip Lindsay in a dynasty league and somebody was going to give you a 2020 first-round first pick for him, Tyler, would you do it? Easy, easy sell. You know, Philip Lindsay, again, I always look at draft capital the teams spend on these players as well because that's just the amount of leeway they're going to get. And Royce Freeman has it. Philip Lindsay doesn't. If you can trade Philip Lindsay, you know, who could be a flash in the pan or he could turn into a Tariq Cohen type player, but we don't really know. Uh, if you can get a 2021st right now for him, uh, I would do it all day. Yeah, I have him in one dynasty league. I've been shopping around. I haven't had any bites yet, and I think that might be because uh, you know nobody's in that league is in you know quote unquote draft mode yet. But I'm I'm trying to ship him off uh, in that league. I already whiffed on Gronk, um, but based on what you said tonight, maybe I'll keep him around for a while uh, to see what happens with that. Uh, let's move on to Bill in Birmingham. What's the latest on Marquise Lee? Is he in for a big bounce back with Nick Foles tossing him the rock? Keep up the good work. That is Bill in Birmingham. Bill Marquise Lee, and I think I just read this uh, this afternoon or yesterday afternoon that, you know, he got hurt in the preseason, and it sounds like he'll be back uh, late in this year's preseason, which, you know, we, we've seen these ACL tears in the past, and they, they usually go, at least the reported recovery is like four, five months sometimes faster than that. So the fact that they're talking about this like being even longer than a 12-month injury. I, I have my concerns about Marquise Lee right now, Tyler. Yeah, well, as well you should. I mean, this is a, a guy whose best season is 851 yards, but he only, you know, he's consistently in the 50% catch rate of receivers. So he's not a reliable pair of hands. And he's, you know, obviously – I said already, Big Dick Nick's going to take the Jaguars' offense to new heights, but uh, he's 27 years old. He's not coming back from an injury the way you would hope. Uh, 
D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole are both there and uh, should both be fantasy relevant, even though, especially Keelan Cole had a, one of the worst seasons ever. Uh, I, you know, I got some love for Keelan Cole still, and I think that uh, he's a m- much more interesting uh, flyer, late-round flyer. What about what about D.D. Westbrook? Does he factor into it at all? Yeah, I mean, D.D. Westbrook, I think, is is the the wide receiver to own there, and I think D.D. Uh, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, will will be good. I I was Keelan Cole had such a bad year that I can, I don't know what his ADP is, but I'm sure it's uh, really low. I think D.D.'s probably uh, being owned in the top half of drafts uh, for sure. I can tell you, uh, I don't think any of them are being picked particularly high in best ball right now. I'm looking them up here. Marquise Lee is currently at the uh, 23.06. So, I mean, you know, nothing. You just get them wherever. Keelan Cole even cheaper at the 26.12. And um, D.D. Westbrook at the, oh, my God, he's at the 13.08. Yeah. That's about what I would expect, though. D.D. Westbrook's shown the most of all three of those guys. And you got to think that he'll keep progressing. He's now, you know, going to be a third year player. So I, I like him for a third year breakout. I also like Keelan Cole for a third year breakout. He's essentially free. And um, he had not this past season, the season before he had, you know, some, some, an incredible run uh, with Blake Bortles throwing him the ball. So it's got to get better. Um, let's wrap, uh, wrap things up here with one final email from, uh, Max in Denver. How close can Jared Cook come to his 2018 numbers with Drew Brees? All right. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties here. Uh, uh, Drew Brees, uh, throwing him the rock in 2019, as opposed to Derek Carr in 2018. Tyler last year, 68 catches for 896 yards and, uh, six touchdowns. Does he come close to that this year? Does he does he supersede those numbers uh, this year with the Saints that he put up uh, with the Raiders last year? Uh, give, give me your take on Jared Cook here. Yes, this is good value. We were talking previously about Hunter Henry uh, possibly being bad value. I think uh, Jared Cook is good value because everyone remembers the halcyon days of uh, Jimmy Graham and Drew Brees hooking up. You know they love throwing it to tight ends. Uh, Jared Cook uh, – you know, doesn't like to block or do anything but catch passes. So I think that'll that'll be the perfect fit for Drew Brees, and I see him uh, as a top five tight end again this year. Yeah, and and if that is the case, yeah, sorry about that. And if that is the case, Jared Cook is a fantastic value. Uh, right now, he is going as one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He's well, tight end nine right now at the 601. So a great deal can be had on Jared Cook if you are drafting right now as well. And we got a great deal tonight upgrading the co-host chair as Tyler Jackson, the 750, number 30, champion from last year. Did, uh, he handled it with aplomb. You did great tonight, my friend. I want to thank you so much for coming aboard the HSFF Hour, making your debut. Congratulations on the Dynasty title last year. Hopefully there are many more in your future, dude. Uh, best of luck uh, with the movie as well. As, as we, uh, we previewed it earlier, we talked about it again. Remember, it is in theaters now. Uh, it's also streaming. Go see it. 
It's got Mel Gibson. It's got Vince Vaughn. It is called Dragged Across Concrete. And uh, you dragged, well, I dragged is the wrong word, but you brought us on a <laughs> fantasy journey tonight, my friend. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Very entertaining. I had a great time. I know the listeners did, too. Thank you so much uh, for hopping aboard this week, my man. Thank you very much for having me. And I was just kidding about Dave. You, you can't do the show without Dave. Uh, but if you decide <laughs> to do this show without Dave, I will be available. every. I'll be holding my Friday nights open from now until forever, just waiting for that call. Yeah, well, listen, uh, next we're going to put that to the test. Uh, we're going to switch the show to Sundays, and then we're going to, um, we're going to see uh, if you're going to pick to, to, to fill in for Dave on Oscar night or if you're going to go to the Oscars. That's going to be the true test. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to see how, how your loyalty to the show is, uh, my friend. But uh, seriously, you'll be on the short list in the future if, uh, if we ever need to fill in for, for Dave again. Uh, really appreciate it, dude. Enjoy your weekend and, and enjoy the, uh, the upcoming NFL draft as well. Thank you. You as well. Uh, have a good weekend and uh, hope all the other fantasy football degenerates out there enjoy their weekend as well. Absolutely. Tyler Jackson, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for our show tonight. I want to thank him uh, for uh, hopping on the blower here tonight and filling in for Dave Gerzek. Uh, really appreciate that. What a fun show. God, this just went, it went by so fast. I don't know if it's because I did a podcast right before this uh, or, or not, but it, it was a lot of fun. And I should promote that a little bit more and I'll put it on my, on my Twitter, but uh, Dave Journey and uh, Ron McLeese on the um, Dynasty Football 101 podcast. That is on uh, Lenny Melnick Fantasy uh, Sports, the Legend Sports Network. Uh, the link will be up uh, sometime this weekend. I'll tweet that out. We got into a lot of FFPC Dynasty stuff. Um, yeah, and uh, sort of an, it was an aggregate of stuff I've uh, been told by a lot of high-stakes Dynasty players over the years, so hopefully you can get some enjoyment out of that. I think we might do it again. We're going to... I think I'm going to hop on that podcast again. We'll, 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 they're going to do some divisional previews coming up, and Ron is a Bears fan, and I'm obviously a Packers fan, so maybe we'll do an NFC North preview there. We'll see what happens. It'll be fun. It was a fun fun night talking fantasy football. My God, you know, it was, it, it was essentially three hours worth of that. I've had uh, college basketball on. The Brewers are getting drilled. Everything you'd want in, uh, in, uh, in, in sports tonight. So really great to see. Uh, everything coming together here in March as we lead up to the NFL draft. I want to thank, once again, Tyler Jackson. I want to thank the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you uh, for uh, listening in the chat room. Shout out to uh, all the stalwarts that were in there tonight. Mint Montana, Wasp Guy, Two Packer, the whole crew uh, was all in there tonight. Thanks so much, guys. All right, so next week, here's what's going on. Uh, no Dave Gerzak again. However, we have a, a special a show next week. Uh, this was something that was pitched to me and um, I, I agreed to it. And uh, I, I think it's going to be good. Um, I am actually going to be on vacation next week, but the show will still play as normal at 10, nine central next Friday. Uh, you'll be able to go in the chat room. I think maybe not, maybe there won't be a chat room open. I'm mean, going to talk to BTR about that and figure out how it's going to work. But if you remember the, the Noah Blum episode uh, last year or Noah Bloom, excuse me, um, uh, when when uh, we, we kind of pre-recorded it and, uh, and talked Dynasty. That's what you're going to be getting again this coming Friday. It's going to be a pre-recorded episode. I don't think there's anything super dated in there. But basically, here's what it is. 
It's Biplab Mandel, a former uh, high-stakes champ uh, at the dynasty level with the FFPC. Well, multiple levels, really. And another former FFPC uh, dynasty champ, Steve Lee. These guys have both been on the HSFF Hour before. They're going to be on the show this Friday. And they have very, very differing opinions and ways that they like to build their dynasty teams. Uh, With the end goal being championships, they have different journeys on how to get there. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into some player analysis of what you should be doing with certain players uh, in fantasy football right now as far as dynasty goes, whether you should be dealing them, whether you should be standing pat, whether you should be trading for them. That is all going to be next week at 10-9 Central with myself, Biplab Mandel, and, of course, uh, Steve Lee. So great stuff there. Check out all of the uh, dynasty orphans that we have going on. Uh, at uh, at myffpc.com. I think we're down to right around 10 of them. Uh, and then we have Dynasty Maiden Drafts going on starting April 6th. Plenty of spots available in that. But hustle up and get in before they fill up because they are going fast. Plenty of best ball, plenty of super flex, uh, all going on uh, right now at myffpc.com. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Really appreciate it. We will sort of be back next week at 10, 9 Central. Your weekend officially starts now. This has now. been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. We're on the team floor, even more so if we on tour. Me and E explore the country, wondering about the evening before. Trying to explain where the time went. Well, other rappers find a studio to grind in. I've never, I, I, I don't know what it, like, I don't know if it's because it's I'm busier or, or what have you, but I feel like at this point, the last few years, and I probably should have brought this up on the show. This point at the last few years, um, I've made like a lot of dynasty deals in preparation for 2019. I really haven't made that many uh, so far in the off season. And I, I feel like I'm slacking because there's definitely players I have on my teams that I need to move right now. Maybe that's what we, uh, we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to delve into this as we get closer to the NFL draft. Cause I think a lot of times people will want to move veterans before they quote unquote, lose their jobs. Uh, with an NFL team investing a, a round one to three pick uh, on a certain player. But there's definitely players I want to move. There's definitely players I want to acquire, um, but there's definitely more I want to move uh, right now. Remember to get those uh, FFPC Dynasty Leagues cut down to 16 players by Sunday night at midnight Pacific, ladies and gentlemen. Really appreciate uh, all the ears tonight. It has been a, uh, a harrowing week for me. Can't wait for next week uh, and uh, the Mandel Lee Show. That is going to be uh, Really fantastic stuff. We'll talk to you later, everybody. Enjoy your weekend.